Welcome to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. This is the place where you'll hear kids ministry experts dive deep into practical and inspirational topics to help make you the best kids ministry leader or volunteer you can possibly be. On today's episode, Bill Emiot and Michael Wally will dive into what it looks like to improve the physical environment and how important the physical environment is in your kids ministry. So let's get started. Hey, Kids Ministry 101 listeners, this is Michael Wally, the podcast producer, and today I have the honor of sitting down with Bill Emiot, who is your host of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. So we've kind of turned around the table, and we're going to be sitting down today and talking, um, just really diving into a topic with Bill and learning from Bill. So hey, Bill. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm good. It's a good day. We are here at um, our Lifeway Kids building, our headquarters, where we produce resources for Lifeway Kids. This is where we work. This is where sometimes it feels like we live, <laughs> and but we, we love what we do, and we love getting to um, host the podcast here where we create all of the Lifeway Kids resources. So, Bill, um, our listeners have heard from you. A lot of them have interacted with you. But today we want to learn a little bit about you. So mm. tell us tell us about you. How did you get involved in kids ministry? How did you get where you are? Well, Michael, I have been at Lifeway for over 16 years. And prior to coming to Lifeway, I was a children's minister in Atlanta, Georgia. All right. In Metro, in Cartersville, Georgia. Um, and prior to Cartersville, Georgia, I was in Douglasville, Georgia, which is all part of the Metroplex there in Atlanta. So I am um, been in children's ministry now for almost 30 years, which really is hard to hear myself say. <laughs> but uh, started um, in ministry, in music ministry. All right. A lot of people may not know that I... Um, have a bachelor's degree in vocal performance, which I think that's kind of funny, too. I didn't. I've never known that. <laughs> and I keep that a secret, And uh, but uh, felt called into children's ministry and um, have a master's degree in Christian education with a concentration in kids' ministry. Very nice. Well, I consider you a good friend, and I consider you definitely an expert in kids' ministry um, because of your experience, but also... You continue to learn. So how do you serve in kids' ministry now? Um, I am a member at First Baptist Church here in Nashville, and I love teaching kids. Currently, I teach third-grade Bible study on Sunday morning with a great team who allow me to be out as often as I'm in. <laughs> have a great team over there that um, I, I, I love teaching. Um, I also get the privilege of working in children's Bible drill when I'm in town. I love doing that with preteens, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And on Wednesday nights, I get to teach preschool four- and five-year-old choir at my church. Um, I tell people all the time I didn't mean to, but I uh, had thought I was signing up for fourth and fifth grade preteen choir, and when I got there, it was preschool choir. And I've been doing that for four years now, and I love it. It's oh. the best part of my week is being with those kids. They don't care how fat I get. They don't <laughs> care how bald I become. They just um, are really great, great for me, um, just loving on me and me getting to love on them. So I teach a variety of levels of kids, and I think that's important um, in my role here because as ministry specialist, that's not just third grade. That's right. preschool, children, preteen, and so I get a, 
a little taste of that all along the way. And I love teaching VBS during the summer. This mm. year I'm scheduled to teach in third grade and VBS as well. That's awesome. So that's what we love about you. We, you are full of advice and you walk the walk and talk the talk. So we love hearing from you and talking about kids ministry with you. So this is the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. And for yep. the past few weeks, you've been diving deep with experts in kids ministry. Um, and you're going to be continuing to do that. So, right. I mean, this is your baby. Um, this is, uh, you know, my adopted child, uh, I guess, because Chuck kind of helped us birth Kids Ministry 101, mm-hmm. and and he's moving on into some some new um, podcasting coming up in the future. I yeah. guess that's kind of a let surprise. That cat out of the bag. But um, I've decided, and we decided together, that I would begin hosting Kids Ministry 101. It really is um, a, a bigger a part of a bigger brand that I help to to steward with the the blog, the podcast, um, even our What About Kids Ministry book, that that those basic kinds of things. I really hope that um, Kids Ministry 101, the podcast, will, will become a more um, intimate setting at, at some level where we sit around and drink coffee together, and you've got your coffee on that end, and I've got my coffee on this end, and and we're talking about kids ministry. And, and that's kind of the approach that I want to take with it. Um, having coffee with each other um, virtually. <laughs> yeah, well, there are hundreds and hundreds of people in kids ministry, leaders, volunteers who would love to have coffee with you. And so I've got my coffee you do. right here. Mine's iced, and you can probably hear the ice yes, shaking yes. in the microphone. And so let's have coffee together, and All let's right, talk man. about today's topic. So, Bill, today we are talking about physical environments in kids ministry. So what does that mean and where are we going with this? Well, that that's the physical environment really is important. And one of the privileges that I've had over the years working here at Lifeway as a ministry specialist is that I have been in probably thousands. And I, I know that kind of sounds like an exaggeration, but as I think back through it, 16 years thousands of churches, and I've seen a lot of situations. I've seen a lot of environments, both very positive and some that have not been so positive. It is definitely an, uh, become a more a hotter topic over the past 30 years in my ministry than mm-hmm. when, when I first started. When I first started, it was very important that we our, our environment looked a particular way, and now we've moved uh, to looking different kinds of ways, and none of them are right or none of them are wrong. They're all acceptable based on your the DNA of your church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things, though, about the environment that we, we all ought to be aware of. Um, one is that it makes an impression. It makes an impression. that It is a first impression, and, and a lot of people... We've said this for years, and, and we need to be reminded, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Right. And if a, someone's walking into your church and they see your preschool children's space um, and are wowed by it or excited by it, then that could be what brings them back the next for a second visit. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't believe that the physical environment of your setting keeps people there. I, I'm right. convinced that that's relationship building, but we do have an opportunity in the same way if they come in and they see your space is, is dirty, it's stinky, and, mm-hmm. and some of our space 
smells. Right. <laughs> um, uh, if it's not well kept and not maintained, um, then why would I bring my kids back to this? Mm-hmm. I, I think that in some ways what we're doing when we're addressing our spaces, we're thinking about um, outreach and evangelism at some level. Do we want people, unchurched people, to want to come? I mm. talked to a friend recently even about a playground space, and they're beginning a, a second or third campus in their at their church. I think it's their third campus, and one of the things they're leading with is a playground. That's one of the things they want on site as they open the third campus. And I questioned that, and, and the answer was we want people to see from the outside that we care about kids on the inside. And I was like, oh, oh I get it. So when you talk about your space, exterior or interior, does it say we care about kids, we care about families? And and so it, it's important. First impressions are, are really important. Mm-hmm. And you only get one chance. You only get one chance. Some of the things that I think churches need to be thinking about are, 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 are colors, um, uh, inter- the, 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 the floor plans. M- not many of us will get the opportunity to build space, but and, and, and that's okay. And, and most of us will, will inherit space. Mm-hmm. And I've often said you may not have the newest, slickest space in town, but you can have the cleanest. <laughs> you can be clean. You can, you can be, you can, you can have good colors on the wall. You can use what God's given you and do the best with it. Um, where what? Sometimes we may have the opportunity, though, we may not get the opportunity to make new space, but we may be able to reallocate space. Mm. And, and I've, I've noticed that in some churches I'll go in, it's the children, preschool children have the worst space in the whole church. Mm. And other ministries, and, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's the senior adult, maybe it's the student, but they have the prime time space. So what kind of message does that send? Probably student, that's cool, but if you've got your senior adults in your best space and you've got your children in the worst space, what message are you sending? Maybe that's hmm. the message you want to send. I don't know. But I'm thinking that if we're trying to reach young families, then we need to prioritize the space that we give them um, and, and the way that that space looks. All of us can't have a professional um, come in and do uh, incredible murals or whatever it is that 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 might be the 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 going thing but we can have clean paint on the wall mm-hmm. and we can choose a um, accent wall in a, in a particular color that complements what's going on um, we can make sure that the floor's clean mm-hmm. if that means uh, uh, shampooing the carpet or pulling the carpet up and and <laughs> revealing the linoleum that was down there before <laughs> the carpet was put down and cleaning that up we can do that we can have clean clean space and p- space that smells good i often encourage churches to invite a friend who will be very honest maybe even painfully honest with you about your space and ask them, what do they see? Mm. What do they smell? Uh, I know at my home, when I know companies come in, I get everything all cleaned up. 
Um, but the rest of the time, it's just very lived in. Right. <laughs> and so I think sometimes our churches, our space looks very lived in and not <laughs> clean and ready for company. And I think we need to be ready for company. Mm, I love that. Bring in an outside view. Somebody that yeah. you trust mm-hmm. and not somebody who's going to come in and just tell you what you want to hear. You right. need a good friend who will say, this, this is where these are areas I can see. I, I've often said that we all need a very good friend who can tell us the truth. And that's about a lot of things. But uh, in this particular area about our space, what, what, what does it say? Um, it might even be wise to get someone that doesn't go to church there, you hmm. know, somebody who, who will be able to tell you, does, this, does your space look inviting? Does your space look like you guys care about kids? Or does it just look like, you know, we, we're we're babysitting here and we have a space dedicated for these these young kids and where the real worship and the real mm. learning can take place in this other part of the church. I think we have to ask ourselves those kinds of questions. Yeah, that that's such good advice. Well, Bill, as we're thinking about space, we've mm-hmm. talked about it needs to be a good first impression. It needs to be inviting. Let's talk practically about okay. some of the areas of what a kid's space could look like. Let's talk about one of my favorite things. I love colors. I yeah. love bright colors. What do you think about colors in a space? I think we have to be careful. I think color is important. And, and this has been a process for me um, over the last 30 years. I really was that uh, institutional green guy, and that's it. And then over the years, I've realized that there's more to life than institutional green. (laughs) I do think we have to be careful inside the classroom to not clutter the classroom. Um, Dark paint, dark paint colors can really shrink a room pretty quick. And over the top bright neon can really throw kids into a frenzy. Mm -hmm. I went into a church one time and they had um, every classroom, they had no windows in their kid space. And and, and, and you inherit some things, but this particular space had no windows. It was all interior windows. And they had fluorescent, and I'm not kidding, fluorescent colors in each small classroom. And when I asked about that, and and I, I kind of you you never want to say your space is ugly, <laughs> but what you I said now, research would say that this would really hype kids up and, and cause. Some, and he said that's exactly what we're looking for. And I thought, well, then you got what you're yeah, looking for. That'll wake you up on that, a Sunday morning. But I think we ought to be careful. So I I think that in our in the insides of our rooms can't distract from what we're trying to do, which is teach the Bible. So if we if inside your room you've painted a mural of Moses crossing the Red Sea, and you're only going to teach that once a year or once every couple of years, then there's some conflict mm-hmm. going on there. I think that a, a splash of color is great. I think that we can do some some more um, some more. I don't know if the word muralistic is even a real word. I like it. Um, Sounds good. Outside in the hallways, we can do a lot more fun, perhaps, in our hallways. I think in our classrooms, we need to be careful, particularly if we have smaller classrooms, and most of our listeners have small classrooms. We would like to say that it's 25, 20 square foot for every kid, grades one through five in elementary, 25, 20 square foot per kid, 25 for younger kids, and even 35 per kid square foot in wow. preschool. But that's not 
always our reality. So be careful about that. Use your space. um, Have a splash. Have a focal wall that's maybe a color that complements the rest of the... And maybe you do have uh, a a color color coordinated or colored... uh, First grade has a color. Second grade has a color. Third grade has a color. But they don't need to clash and and be off the chart crazy. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so let's talk about location. Um, like you said, a lot of our churches, um, we don't always get to choose our space, but let's say we do get to choose the space, or maybe there is opportunity of changing or, around some things. Mm-hmm. Where would be the ideal place to have the kids' ministry space? Well, you know, I think that we need to have our preschoolers near their parents, if mm. that's possible. Now, not on the same floor, but if if you're if you have young adults meeting in one part of the building, then having your preschool or have having your preschool space near parents is is valuable. I think having your preschool space on the first level, whenever possible, is valuable. I think having preschool space where the parents can get from their car into the space um, quickly and easily is valuable. Um, those are some things to consider um, when we're talking about safety and security. If you have bed babies, uh, babies in infants in beds on a second or third floor and mm-hmm. you've got to get out in a hurry, that's a problem. Mm. So you need to think through that. There are some churches who don't have options. Downtown churches often go up and not right. out. And so there's things that they have to do. But given the given the option, I think first floor space is always best. I think um, thinking in terms of uh, the youngest preschoolers, particularly in proximity to their parents. I think that's important, too. You're going to put my baby here and then traipse me uh, two miles across campus to (laughs) put me over. That's not a comfortable place, especially for our newcomers and visitors. Yeah. Well, what about location for security? Um, In an ideal world, what would that look like? Well, we want our kids to be in a secure environment. Mm -hmm. And I'm a proponent of one way in and one way out. Mm. Um, so in your preschool space, I think that we, uh, your preschool and children's space, I think that there ideally would be one way in to the and one way out. Again, that's not where I live at my church because we've inherited something when we weren't thinking about right. security. I know we, we're having an opportunity to build a new building, and I'm gonna, it's going to have one way in and one way out. Mm. Um, that may mean in an older facility that we have to close some entrances and exits or, or, or some entrances, and these are for emergency exits only. I know in a church I served in, we closed a door that people were using to come into the preschool area because we wanted one way in, one way out, and it caused a lot of grief because it was the easiest entrance for families to get in and out. But in order to feel like they were secure and to secure that space, it was an exit only. It mm. was an exit only. And, and and that can be a problem, but I think in, when we're talking about location, we, we have to look at the bigger picture, what's best for the kids, not not what's best for the adults, and that's always... And sometimes that's telling them why you're <coughs> choosing to do things like that, Yes, um, getting their buy-in. I know my home church that I grew up in, a wonderful church, 
smaller church, but all the kids' rooms were on one hallway, and that was the main hallway where traffic was, and even the adult choir room was on that hall uh, mixed in with the classrooms. And just for years, that's been an issue that leaders of the church have been trying to solve. And I saw on Facebook that they have figured out a solution, and they're actually moving um, to a different hallway where there is one way in, one way out, and implementing a check-in system for those kids. So that's such a win for them. Well, let's talk about other things, practical things. Um, Most of the classrooms will have doors. What what are you looking for in a door? Well, um, when you're thinking about um, your space and security and safety, we want to make sure that our doors um, have windows in them. Um, I, I'm I I would be fine with glass doors, mm. um, full glass doors, so you there's no peeking in or, or I mean, uh, but a lot of us are going to need to retrofit this, and we're going to need mm-hmm. to cut doors and 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 maybe we'll have opportunity to purchase, but cut windows into doors so that there's visibility. Families who come into your church. Um, and they walk up to a door and they can't see what's going on inside. That that's an issue, mm-hmm. you know. What's behind? What's going on behind that closed door? So, when, doors with windows, I think, are are important as we think about the environment. And I tell people there's an emotional environment and mm-hmm. a physical environment, and we need to address both of them. And I think windows and doors help us to address the emotional environment. But it also is a physical a physical need. Absolutely. Well, we talked about doors. Let's talk about floors. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I may be in the minority here, um, but I still like a um, linoleum floor of some a hard floor surface. Urgh. I don't care how hard you try, it's hard to get vomit out of carpet. I fully agree with that. My church and our kids' ministry space, we actually have concrete, and we use and that, rugs. That's, you know, that's, and a new, that's a new um, – in our building here, we have concrete right. instead We're, of linoleum. Our church environment is more of a warehouse, cool. and it's it's – so easy to get vomit off of concrete, and I unfortunately have seen that I have firsthand. Too. But we also have, for those of us who want a softer space, um, the new carpet squares mm-hmm. that allow you to replace those particular squares um, when necessary. I think that's 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 a, a wise move. I've seen um, churches who spend lots and lots of money on fancy carpet just to have to rip it up every two years because it's it's filthy. Right. Um, I can clean that concrete floor. I can clean that linoleum, and I can supplement that hard space with some soft space that's designed to be replaced regularly like carp- rugs. Right. And if you buy rugs for your kids' ministry, you're, you can't expect them to last 10 no, years. and please do clean them. Yes. Get, the, get those cleaned. <laughs> get them cleaned regularly. All right. Well, what what else would we see in the room? Uh, tables, chairs. You know, in kids, in children, elementary space, we we have tables and chairs and whiteboards and maybe some bookshelves, and that's pretty much it. You know, in preschool mm-hmm. space, we have a whole other sets of set, sets of of space because of the way preschoolers learn and interact. When um, someone looking in from the outside who didn't know better would call it toys, but it really is teaching tools. Mm-hmm. Um, the the home living area, the block area, the nature area, um, book area, all of those are used, uh, can be, should be used to teach and reinforce the biblical content that we're we're working on in that that week 
for that session. So all of those need to be age appropriate. Mm-hmm. We have to think through choking hazards when we're looking in preschoolers and young. Any If they can mouth them, then they need to be so large that they can't be swallowed, uh, the, the pieces of all those different things. Um, and then they need to be cleaned regularly. Mm. We talk about hygiene. So I've often said if it can't go in the dishwasher, then I don't want to put it in my classroom. I don't know if I really feel that way, but the point is those furnishings in our in our classrooms need to be cleanable um, at different levels. In our, the younger the child, the cleaner they need to the clean the more cleanable they need to be. But I'm not even so sure that in our older kids class, when we start throwing in beanbag chairs and mm-hmm. and everybody's old furniture that was brought because we got new sofa in our home, and so mm. we're going to give this to the church. I think that we saw we've seen a lot of that in student ministry over the years, and I think it's starting to trickle down a little bit into our preteen ministry. We need to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. What is that saying? What does that say to to ch- people looking in? What does that say? We value we mm. we value your old furniture, <laughs> or, <laughs> or we value our kids. I think we have to think about tables and chairs in our space and make sure that they're age suitable. Mm. Um, um, height and 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 the and those kinds of things we we talk about our our chairs being um, ten inches uh, our our chairs being ten to twelve inches lower than the table okay. that our kids are sitting at and then our kids there's different levels of those tables. Four-year-olds can't sit at the same table a fourth grader sits at, right. not comfortably. So we have to make some some adjustments. I've talked with people, particularly in small settings, who say, you know, my, my space is so small. It's like 15 by 15. That's my classroom. And you don't have to have chairs and tables right. in kids' space. You can use the floor. You can you can use chairs for um, for tables and and use the floor for a chair. Um, you can bring in lap boards if you need mm. them. So there's different ways to to accomplish a lot of the things that we're talking about based on your church and the situation. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's whatever you want that time that you have with your kids to be structured by. Right. You can and really fit it to re- that. And what resources you have available. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be great to think that we all had $100,000 budget to refurnish our... Oh, that would be great. <laughs> but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have to use what you have, but you don't have to have some of the things you might think you have to have. You don't have to have tables and chairs if that's not appropriate in your space. That totally makes sense. Side note, one of my favorite things is to see a preschool volunteer, full-grown adult, sitting at mm-hmm. one of the little preschool tables. I that's know, one of my favorite it's, things. It's, it's like right. it's like a giant. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, well, let's talk about some other things. Um, it is kind of a weirdly chilly day here in Nashville. Um so let's talk about temperature. Um, I can't decide on temperature at my apartment right now, much less. what. <laughs> so what are we looking for at church? And I can't decide the temperature in my classroom either at church, that somebody else gets to decide that. But ideally, <laughs> we know that if it's too cold, it's going to be uncomfortable and kids aren't going to learn. If it's too hot, it's going to be uncomfortable and kids aren't going to learn. I think that an, ideally we're, we're looking for something between 70 and 75 degrees. Um, some people might say that's way, way too cold. Uh, you know, you just 
need to be comfortable. And, and, and that's part of the physical environment. If it's not comfortable, if it's too cold, then it's going to be hard to concentrate. If it's too hot, the kids are going to go to sleep mm. on us. And so we, we work toward that ideal. It does make a difference. It's part of that environment. All right. And then let's talk about one of my favorite things, um, but one of my favorite things with caution, and that's technology. Yes. How should that be incorporated into the physical environment of kids' ministries? I think we need to consider today's kids, um, Generation Z, the generation that we're teaching right now, and um, they are screen savvy. They are um, not just digital natives. They may be digital addictives. They mm. are. They need or they have that as part of their. I don't know if it's their DNA of who they are, but it's it is just it is second nature to mm-hmm. them. Now, does that mean we're supposed to bring all those? all that technology and all of that and and give everybody a a tablet and tell them to sit over in the corner and do this puzzle. I don't really think so. One is we can't afford it. Right. And and two, I think that anytime we use technology to replace relationships, we're in danger of 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 taking it too far. Yes. One of the things that that I've read lately is that kids today don't need adults to teach them anything. Hmm. I don't agree. Mm-mm. Kids don't need adults for information. They have that in their pocket. They have that on a tablet. They have all the information. They do need us to help interpret that information for them. They do need adults to build, to help them learn how to have relationships. They do need adults to, to share love with them. Um, so those are the kinds of things that we can do really well at church. Mm-hmm. We can we can care about boys and girls. We can love them. We can teach. We can show them that we love them. Um, I think we can use technology to our advantage when appropriate. I think we can bring in um, music. I think we can bring in apps. I think we can bring in uh, video. I think we can bring in even um, screen time that would be appropriate. Um, you know, 21st century journaling is done on a computer now, right. not so much a journal. One of the things that I've noticed in my third grade class, some of the things that were so that we did often growing up, even back then, um, and even things that I first started using teaching methods and tools. When I bring them into my third graders today, they're enthralled. They are so they love clothespins. They don't know what they're for, wow. but they because they've never used them, they've right. never touched them. So some of the things that we that we think are old school are very valuable today to kids because they're not seeing it anywhere else. Right. So yes. Technology has its place in our classroom. I like to say it enhances methodology. Mm. So we've been using music and and uh, research and art and uh, games for years in the classroom. How can we enhance those things with technology? I think that's the key. I love that. And I love what you said, that technology doesn't replace relationships. And it never should. I love it. Well, some one of the last things is in a lot of our kids' ministries, we just have a lot of stuff. And, Ugh. I mean, we have stuff that we've collected over the years, but even sometimes we just get new stuff. Maybe this week's small group lesson requires stuff. What do we do with the stuff? 
preschool and children's ministry leaders are notorious for having stuff. Um, I would be embarrassed for you to come look at my garage <laughs> because it's it is a resource center because I see we see things differently than other people do. Paper towel tubes, you know, we may need we may, may need to make rain sticks, and so all these fifty paper towel tubes that I've been keeping for years and years and years finally make sense. The problem is. In our churches, we don't often have space for all that. We don't have room for all that. We need to be careful that when it comes to all this stuff that we we collect and we want to keep, that that we're that we do that wisely. Um, we need to make sure our resource closet looks good. We need to make sure that our resource. Um, center, you know, depending on your church. Sometimes I have resource center envy. I go into some of these <laughs> churches and they're so well organized and so well done. And it invites me as a teacher to go in there and use these things. Mm-hmm. If you're just throwing and shoving it and putting it all in there, then we can't even find it. We can't find it. I, I, we don't want to be known as a hot mess ministry. Mm. And sometimes our space and our stuff looks like a big hot mess. Um, we need to be careful about that. We need to make sure it's clean, it's bright, it's inviting, and and that the the resources and the stuff that we that we use are usable. I like that. Well, physical environments—they're important. What we do with the space we're given. I it think really it's, is. I think it's about being a good steward. We don't yeah. all. Always get to choose what space we're in, but we can make the best of what God has given us in our kids' ministry. Exactly. Well, thanks so much, Bill. Thank you for your impact. Thank in you, kids Michael. Ministry. It's fun doing this with you. A um, uh, little different this time. Yeah. But um, thankful for you. Thankful for you too, and thankful that you'll be back next week. Oh yeah. As talking more about kids' ministry and kids' ministry 101. Thanks for listening to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. You can find out more at kidsministry101.com. Remember, we'd love to invite you to the Etch Family Ministry Conference by visiting etchconference.com. We'll see you back here next week on the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.